I'm speaking today to Claudia Buama-Kapalau, the Trade and Economic Policy Analyst at the Namibia Trade Forum. Hello, Claudia. Hi, how are you doing, David? Good, thanks. And you? I'm all right. You publish uh, a weekly column, for want of a better word, called Trade Talk Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I read this week's one and I thought we have to get you in, we have to chat about it. There's an often repeated phrase in Namibia when we talk about industrialization and people complain and say, Namibia can't even manufacture toothpicks. toothpicks. (laughs) But having read, and if I understand your column correctly, that's not something that you think is a problem. I think that we've really boxed ourselves in with regards to our idea of industrialization. I think many of our policies were basically designed in a time when industrialization meant rows and rows of factories. Um, Since moving into the trade policy space and also just out of general interest in innovative economies, I realized that industrialization means a little bit more than just having factories and manufacturing capacities. So that's a big part of even why I write Trade Talk Tuesday in the first place. It's a common theme always looking at the future economy, mm-hmm. where human beings fall into that, how that's going to affect what we consume, where we work, what's defined as work, what's defined as a product, a good, a service. And I feel like if we are stuck in this mindset that you have to have factories, which has all these other implications then of, you know, extremely high capital requirements, mm-hmm. needing space for that, it makes it become impossible. But if we start broadening our concept of what industrialization is to include any productive process, even if the product is a service, then we can actually start aligning the resources that we have Mm to our future like productive capacity. There are people, unfortunately, who are going to be, I guess, I don't want to say left behind, but I mean, you've already gone through an education system that prepared you for a certain type of working world. And that's not the world we're in right now. It's Mm. definitely not going to be the world in the future. But if we consider, for example, services in tourism as an industry as an indicator that Namibia is economically developing if we advance, for example, the tourism industry. That is an industry that requires a lot of skills that don't necessarily require you to go through the formal school training system or require you to go and get a degree for specific um, for certain functions in that industry, mm-hmm. for example. So it's just basically trying to broaden the mindset, get us to think about development and industrialization and all these other um, macroeconomic concepts in a different way so that we don't have people feeling like or people being excluded from the economic pie in the country or whatever and that we can find ways of plugging people in if we will redefine what our end goal is. Countries like China, Germany, um, to extend USA, UK, they have industrialized in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm it is going to be extremely difficult to try and compete against such countries on the same playing field. But you will see emerging economies like the Indias of this world have figured out, you know what, industrialization can also mean having a very high ICT competence and capacity. So plugging yourself into a global value chain, you know, where there are certain aspects of that manufacturing process in China or USA or whatever that depends on an ICT infrastructure, for example. And now you find a lot of those things are being outsourced to India and other countries in Southeast Asia and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's basically the idea behind the trade talks themselves and this particular piece. Um, We may have come up with plans when we thought we wanted to go somewhere, but at that time, that was the world that we could imagine. Mm. But 
things have changed. And if we are imagining factories, you need to consider the fact that we are going to have to be competitive. And a competitive factory today doesn't employ people. Mm-hmm. You have machines that work 24-7, machines that don't take leave, <laughs> machines that don't need social distancing and masks and sanitizer and all these things. So that is not even a sustainable plan. You will be able to keep people there until you realize that your costs are too high compared to other countries in the world and then you're going to have to replace them, bringing us back to square one, which is people being excluded from economic activity. So instead of worrying about toothpicks, then we need to worry about what our strategic advantages are. And and as a country, what would you suggest Namibia's strategic advantages are? You've mentioned tourism, obviously. So my specific field is uh, trade and services, and I am somewhat, maybe because that's the information I'm mostly exposed to, I'm somewhat biased to looking at that as the avenue for, I guess, coming up with a developmental plan for the country. If toothpicks, based on whatever research we're able to do, turn out to be something viable for Namibia, by all means, let's let's set up a toothpick uh, factory. You will be able to employ some people. Mm. But I'm looking at services because it looks as if people keep on shifting further and further away from the manual aspects of production. And it looks as if, as you shift further and further away from that, we find that the services industry is mostly where you'll find the, the highest number of um, human beings being employed Mm. or human beings being part of the production process. So for Namibia, yeah, tourism is an obvious and easy advantage. It's done pretty well, mostly driven by the private sector. We also have to consider, for example, ICT. I think for the longest time we've looked at that as something in itself, the the technology industry or something Mm -hmm. that's in a silo. But if you think about it, every other good that needs to be made, every other service that needs to be provided to a certain extent today depends on you having a functioning ICT infrastructure. So just as a matter of having being able to have a good foundation for whatever your industrial plans are, if it's the toothpicks lane that we're going to choose or if it's the services lane that people will be convinced into choosing, you still need to have that ICT infrastructure and ICT capacity in terms of people and all other resources in place. I'm thinking also that the creative industry, what they call it, creative and cultural industry, Mm -hmm. that's the formal term (laughs) they've given to it. I think that also provides great avenues. A lot of my thinking economics and whatnot is basically about people and how we maintain the relevance of people in um, our developmental plans. So for me, it's always the end goal is how are we going to create jobs? How are we going to create business? And I think the creative and cultural industry not only provides an avenue to absorb a lot of the unemployed youth, our youth unemployment rate is over 40%, which is pretty scary, but it also creates an avenue for people to be self-employed because you have all the necessary resources you need. You've got your imagination, you understand the design and whatever detail goes into making what you need to make. So that provides an avenue for self-employment And even as a matter of, again, plugging people or the country into value chains, there's a lot of formal trade that actually requires the arts. If you have a brand that you respect, it's mostly because there's a certain appeal that it has. And that was the, um, I guess, the sexy element of the triple S thing that I wrote yesterday. There's the visual appeal. There's even art that is applied to the function of certain things. The fact that your SIM card has been shrunken down mm-hmm. from mac- uh, micro to nano to I wonder what it's called. <laughs> yeah. like, it gets tiny and tiny and tiny. And all of that requires a creative mind, requires mm-hmm. somebody with a certain type of skill set that um, traditionally may not have been um, valued or considered as an employment avenue. So, yeah, there's... 
It's so much that maybe I can do. It, it sort of ties into into you talking about the SIM cards and, and uh, Steve Jobs' idea that the inside has to be as beautiful as the outside. And that's, like you say, where you need that artistic. You touched on your three S's. Uh, can you walk us through them quickly? We've got smart, we've got sexy, and we've got slim. How do those relate <laughs> to the country? I actually picked this uh, from one of my mentors um, earlier, Flores. Um, he used to say that Namibia is small, so we need to think smart and sexy. And then I also thought about the slim aspect, which is just narrowing things down. Smart just basically speaks to efficiency. Being able to figure out everybody and every country has to deal with scarcity. The fact that you have limited resources and out of the limited um, resources that you have, everybody expects wonderful things to be produced. So instead of considering that as a constraint and a reason to not even attempt to do anything different, Maybe we can think slim, which is then let's narrow Namibia's potential exports and industries to a few things that are either going to have a lot of relevance in the global and regional space. We can look at trends in the trade space and economy and we can identify that, okay, fine, it looks like the world needs more people with this type of skill set. You know, we need more of this or, or that type of product. And if we're able to narrow it down to something that is really needed, something that we're really good at, then we can then focus on making that Namibia's thing. For example, if you want to have a watch or chocolate, you know that, you know, the best would come from the Swiss. Mm. If you know that you want a car, there, oh, now everyone's in that now, but, you know, originally <laughs> it would have been you know, a German car, a Japanese car. So certain countries have done really well with the sexy part, which mm. is creating a product that has got a very high demand, there's like a very strong appeal, and it is associated with that country. Everyone knows this is that thing that Germany or whoever is really good at. And um, in the past, we'd always speak in terms of like first world countries, third world countries, and how it was almost impossible to imagine that a third world country could be known for something really good. Mm. But you can even look at the creative and cultural industry in Nigeria. They make movies, like a ridiculous amount yeah. of movies every year, every day. And maybe on the continent, you know, we, we don't really take it as seriously as maybe a Hollywood movie or whatever. But I think it was at the beginning of this year when some French investors wanted to basically buy the whole entire Nigerian um, movie industry, Nollywood. So it's something that is now their thing. When it comes to entertainment on the continent, their music, their film, even their culture has become something that many people have taken an interest in so that's evidence that even if you are so-called third world if we commit enough resources if we are patient with ourselves we give ourselves enough time we will be able to make mistakes and then eventually fine-tune what Namibia is good at what Namibia needs to be known for and be that go-to country I made an example in the piece yesterday about the fact that I was watching how many airline operators are looking for space mm. because they well, have to grind their planes the ground, yeah. and then they were describing the type of environment that these planes could be kept in dry areas obviously a vast amount of space and i was thinking that that's us it's dry over here there's a lot of space over here um obviously yes there will be some infrastructure requirements but from what i was watching the planes were parked in sand so you know quick adaptations you realize something has happened there will be certain consequences one of them being maybe a requirement for space like the case with the airplanes is it possible to partner mm. with a, um, a country that's really good at quick development of infrastructure for example we've got a relationship with china quickly build some kind of airplane 
garage, graveyard, whatever you want to call it, and then build it in such a way that it can have another purpose. It can become the toothpick factory mm. once the aeroplanes are back in the air again. Or it could be a permanent uh, arrangement that Namibia becomes that place, you know, once we fix our airport and everything else, that place where airlines can find space for their planes. So we need to look at what, what we've got and that other countries it. might not have and, and develop that. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time and coming to chat to us. I look forward to your next Trade Talk Tuesday. Uh, and for anyone who'd like to Subscribe. get a copy in the inbox, how can they do that? Um, you just have to send an email to policyanalyst at ntf.org.na and um, I'll send you or I'll add you to the mailing list. It's still in its infancy, so yeah, it's a very manual process. But if you call the NTF and you say you would like to subscribe, we'll always just, yeah, put your name or your contact information in the mailing list. Perfect. Thank you so much.